the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, Tyson. Good to talk to you, brother. How you been? Good. I, I mean, I haven't talked to you in a whole, what, I don't know, six hours. So I'm uh, doing well, man. Doing great. What about you? I'm always happy when we're getting uh, episodes back in the can. It's always good to be a little bit ahead of the game. And I'm excited about our guest today. Always happy when we have an immigration lawyer on the show. And this is someone who I've been talking to offline for a very long time. He's a good friend, Brian Manning. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Jamie Tyson. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Big fan. I think I've listened to every single episode, so it's an honor to be on with you guys. I love whenever people say that. It's just so awesome to to know that people have actually taken the time to listen to all the episodes. It's really cool. So, all right, Brian. So, I don't know you as, as well as Jim does. So, tell everybody about what you do and how you got to where you are now. Thanks, Tyson. So, almost two months ago, I launched my immigration practice, and before that, I had worked for the federal government for eleven years. So it's all new to me. I grew up in Oklahoma in the Oklahoma City area, went to undergrad there, went to law school in Minnesota and got to the end of law school, was thinking that I wanted to do some kind of job where I could keep doing a bit of traveling because I had studied abroad a few times throughout undergrad and law school. And so I was applying for a bunch of government jobs like in foreign affairs and uh, waiting for one of them to come through because they can take a while to pin down and to get all the clearances and whatnot. And, my loans were about to go into repayment, so I student loans, so I had to get a job and I worked back in Oklahoma, just kind of business litigation and employment law type stuff for about a year. And then I went over to the State Department and I was a, a diplomat for about eight and a half years. And then two and a half years ago, my wife and I kind of decided we wanted to settle down, put down roots, stop moving around so much and have the kids grow up around family, seeing family a lot more. And so we decided to, to move. We came to Houston, which is uh, driving distance to Oklahoma City, which was important to us. That's where our families still are. And we wanted to be in a large, diverse city as well. And I knew that I would probably want to get into immigration practice. It's a, a city that can support that. So that's kind of what happened in the last two and a half years. I was at the Houston Asylum Office, which is a part. So that's part of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, which is a part of the Department of Homeland Security. And then just two months ago, I finally took the leap and started my own firm all by myself. 
Brian, having listened to all of our episodes, you know that we spend a lot of time talking with lawyers about sort of that mindset of shifting from working for somebody else to working on your own. And I want to talk about the preparation that has gone into this decision, because in all honesty, with all the lawyers that I have spoken with over the last four years, Tyson reminded me today, both on air and just friendships that have developed, I've never met anyone who spent as much time planning as you. So could you talk a little bit about your approach to planning and sort of how you brought yourself around to finally get started? Sure, sure. Thanks, Jim. I'll take that as a compliment. I, like for over a decade, had thought, okay, I might someday want to get into private practice. And I got serious about it a few years ago, probably three or four years ago. And there was actually a kind of a point on the horizon that I could see where I, I knew would be a good time to jump. And that was, um, I was in, in this program where if you work in what they call like a, a federal or a public interest job for 10 years, you can get a bunch of your student loans forgiven. So I was kind of waiting to get to that point where I was eligible for that. And I knew that could be a good jumping off point. So I kind of always knew, okay, maybe in three years, I'm probably going to start it in three years. And then it was two or one or whatever. So a few years ago, I just started basically with listening to podcasts, just everything I could find about law firms, law firm management, uh, entrepreneurialism, small, running a small business, things like that. Uh, So a lot of podcasts, lots of books. And then I just talked to a bunch of people. I mean, you know, Jim, I reached out to you quite a while back to get your opinion on lots of different ideas that I had about how to do this. You know, one of the major questions was, do I go with a firm or do I do it on my own? And one of the deciding factors in making that decision for me was that as I had been trying to learn as much as I could about you know, how to run a business and how to, how to get clients as a, as a lawyer and the like, was I, I developed very kind of particular opinions about how I wanted to manage things. I wanted to be forward leaning on social media and use of paid advertising, use of video and, you know, all the stuff that you guys are talking about all the time on Maximum Lawyer. And I felt like I couldn't probably do that. It wouldn't be as free to do that, let's say, in a firm. And I, you know, I had a vision that I wanted to do. And so I figured it'd be best to do it on my own. But in addition to just listening to podcasts and reading all that I could about all this stuff, started networking hard a few years ago, both for the purpose of learning and getting advice and wisdom from folks who have been been there before and have had success, but also for the purpose of laying the groundwork to try to get referrals and get business in immigration law. And actually, it's kind of cool. One of my, the first person that I signed as a client about a week into my practice was someone that I, I kind of started laying the ground, that I eventually got out of a, a process that I put in motion like 11 years ago, just through a, a couple of people that I that I reached out to for purposes of, of networking. And and then a guy finally referred her, this woman to me to be my very first client. So that was kind of cool to see that the long game was uh, was paying off. And it has. And there have been a couple of weeks, you know, in my two months of practice that I've, I've been twiddling my thumbs thinking, gosh, was this a terrible decision? But more recently, it's been going well, been going much better. And a lot of it is from referrals and stuff that I kind of put in place, you know, a long time ago, like a, a year and a half ago in Houston, I started reaching out to tons of immigration lawyers and uh, trying to get to know them and, and develop referral sources. And um, it looks like that was a good idea. So Brian, you sort of you touched on this a little bit, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. So you, it's, it's been a couple of months and 
So, I mean, how are you feeling? Are they talk about the emotions that you've gone through and just the thoughts and, and, and feelings that you've had over the last couple of months. Sure. The first week was rough and here's why I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to come up with a, an online course that I thought was going to like make me rich. I bought into all of this, you know, Russell Brunson, click funnels stuff. And, and I, I still, I learned valuable lessons from all the time that I spent following people like him about sales. But I, I think I, I drank a little too much of the Kool-Aid and thought that I was going to get rich by turning on this switch on, you know, the moment that I ceased being a government employee, the moment I turned on the ads for this course that I was trying to sell. And it, I spent hundreds of hours on it, on making the course and making, you know, pu- putting it all together, the, the, kind of the, the funnel, the sales funnel for it. And that's where all my energy and attention pretty much went for the last couple months before I launched my firm at the expense of, you know, laying more groundwork for kind of the more traditional law practice side of things. And it completely failed, this online course. I might revisit it in a few weeks or months and change some things and, and try again, but there were various problems with it and it just, it didn't work. Like I, I didn't make, I haven't, I haven't made a dime off of it. So my, in my whole first week of practice, I was dealing with that. I was like trying to fix it and trying to make it work. And so that was a super stressful and depressing first week. Um, but then I, things started to kind of fall in place for opportunities on the you know, more traditional side of immigration law practice. And so then it started to feel better. But even then, you know, I had a, a good week or two. And then there was, a, you know, a more quiet week or two where, like, gosh, this is, this is going to be rough. And talking to other solo practitioners, especially, you know, one of my buddies in immigration law who's by himself as well was like, you know, that feeling never goes away of waking up and being like, oh, maybe that those cases that I did happen to get last week, I don't know, was that just a one-off? Am I going to get that lucky again this week? And that anxiety surrounding that um, never goes away from, at least according to what some people have told me, but I, I hope that I can reach a point where, where there's not too much of that. But generally speaking, it's been, it's been pretty good. Like, it's, it's fun being in charge, not having to answer to anyone, being able to do things the way that I want to do them. And I can see where once I get, you know, a more steady stream of business and get more of my procedures in place, that it will be increasingly fun and less stressful, hopefully. Brian, you talked about sort of where you thought your cases were going to come from and your planning ahead. Talk to us about your planning as far as running the system itself, the during unit. I did almost no preparation for the during unit. I mean, I've I spent many, 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 many hours on the before and virtually none on the during. I mean, I researched immigration software and a couple of things like that. And, you know, I got, I got the phones. I'm using Smith. I've got a few pieces of software for that. I didn't take much time to really develop it. You know, it is kind of a hassle to try to make it up as I go along. For example, contracts. I knew ahead of time that I wanted to use some kind of software to make contracts easily and so that people could sign them you know, electronically and stuff. And so I found the one that I wanted to use. I'm using Pandadocs, but still to actually go in there and like make it work and to understand it and set it up is, you know, kind of a, a drag on my time when I wish I could be moving much more quickly. So I, I've, I've not put much into the daring and focused just much, much more on the, on the before trying to get clients, which I'm not sure that that's the wrong way to approach it. I still think that's probably my preferred way is to focus more, at least at the beginning, on the, on trying to attract business rather than making it run as smoothly as possible once you get it. 
All right, so that's a good segue. I'm going to do the ad this week. Jim normally does it, but I'm going to do the ad this week since you mentioned Smith AI. They're one of our sponsors, and so let's take a pause and hear from our sponsor, Smith AI. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms, trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. All right. We are back with asylum lawyer, Manning Asylum Law, Brian Manning. And we are talking about immigration, starting its practice. Real quick, Jim, what do you think about my toss over to the ad? What do you think? That was pretty smooth, dude. You sound like you've been on the Mighty Mox Camel X for the last 20 years, brother. I know, man. I've been learning from you. So it's, you usually go so smooth into it. Figured I'd try it out. So I'd never, I, I had no plans of doing that until you mentioned Smith. So, all right. So, Brian, let's let's kind of jump back in because, I mean, you're so new into it, so early into it. Let's talk about like some of the struggles that you're having. Maybe we can walk through it. So what are you what are some some issues you're having that maybe Jim and I can walk you through? I struggle with having a plan for, let's say, a week or even a day sticking to it. I know there's, and I'm not sure what I can do to motivate myself to do it. I know that there's value to be had in thinking strategically at least the day before, if not the week before, about what, you know, prioritizing what you want to get done over a given time frame. But I'm not doing that. I'm just sort of waking up and, and you know, putting out fires or tending to what seems to be the most urgent thing. And I know that's not the best, best approach. So I welcome your thoughts on the mind frame shift, the mind shift that I need to uh, to make myself disciplined to to plan. So Jim, I'm going to jump in right quick. If you don't, if you don't mind, I, like you said, you know, what's wrong. I mean, like, you know, exactly what you need to be doing. I think just setting aside the time to do it. I mean, I'm curious to see if you've got a vision in place and things like that and whether or not you're setting quarterly goals and whether or not you're setting the date the things you need to do every single day on your calendar. Cause it sounds like because if you have your vision and if you're setting those goals, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in having those benchmarks. So having that vision, setting those mm. five and three year goals, setting your quarterly goals, and then creating those three things you need to be doing every day. Three things at most um, you need to be doing every single day and then doing those things. Because the thing is, is that what people do is they do exactly what you're doing. They don't have those three things set on their calendar to do every single day. So they don't do them they're just putting out fires every day. So are you doing, I mean, are you, do you have those goals? What goals do you have set up? Yeah, I took some time a while back to, to plot out some like three and five year goals, but to be honest with you, I don't I couldn't tell you what they are right now. Like I, I thought of, I thought about revenue goals and I thought about you know, profit goals and I thought about 
size of the law firm goals, but like I, I, I didn't take it seriously enough that I could even remember what they are right now. I have it on a, you know, on a Google Doc somewhere in my, in my G Suite, in my drive. So I thought about it, but it's not something that's present in my mind such that it motivates or drives me to take the take shorter term steps to to get there. Jim, I, I want you to ask your next question, but I just want to make a comment really quick. Is once you do that, once you you write all that stuff down and you have it out somewhere where you can see it on a regular basis, so you've got your vision, you've got your goals, you got your quarterly goals. I mean, you need to have all of those things, not just one of them, but all of them. And then you have those daily daily tasks to do. All of those fires will go away. You won't have the fires yeah. anymore because you will be working on other those other things that will automatically solve those fires, those problems created by the the, the fires. Trust me, mm. you got to oh, trust the process. Yeah. It'll happen. Wait a minute. Yeah, that sounds like good advice. It's sort of good advice, but here's the thing. It's great yeah. advice, Jim, because you you're Mr. Calendar. I, I, you're, you have a chaotic calendar. So, but I'm, I'm curious to see what you have to say, Jimbo, but it, it's, it's actually perfect advice. I agree with it in kind of a long play, just planning out things that you're going to solve for later. There's a time and a place for that. But as, when you open up your business, when you open up your firm, there is a more of a degree. I mean, you have the luxury of having other people work for you now, Tyson, and it takes, it's a segue that you have to make. You have to move from fixing the urgent into fixing things systemically. I think the better way to do it is as one problem arises, identify it as a problem, get to the root cause, and then build a system to prevent that from happening again. I think sitting down conceptually to figure out all the problem areas in the future that you need to fix, I think that's tough. I think your return on investment is going to be tough. I think the better thing is to, as a problem arises, you know, obviously you're trying to prevent a problem, but if a problem arises, that you then systematize that problem out of existence in the future. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I'll say to that. One of your top three priorities right now needs to be systemizing everything, right? Or systematizing. Yeah. I don't know how how people say that. That needs to be one of your top three things. And so because you know that, you need to be doing that every single day. And so it's it's baby steps. And Jim is right, but that just all you have to do though is make that one of your top three things. So so walk us through your typical day right now. I mean, you get up, you you go to the office, or you work from from home, whatever. Like what's your what's your day look like? It's hard to say. I haven't had a very something that I would call a, a typical day. Or I I'm spending my days though, generally speaking, corresponding with people who. Okay, a couple of things. A lot of it is I've been doing a lot of contracting work for people where I've been writing briefs and other stuff for them for immigration stuff, mainly for a political asylum. And so I've I've spent a lot of time like corresponding with these people about these jobs and, and then doing the job for them. Like I'll take, I'll take chunks of a, a whole, like literally all day today since 5 a.m. I've been writing a brief for someone with hardly anything else going on, checking my email a few times to respond to a few inquiries that I've gotten from uh, a couple calls, potential clients, but you know, all day basically on this brief. But then another day I might be trying to do some things on social media. I might be I'm doing some, I'm doing Facebook ads right now and some Google ads. So I'll spend time, you know, I might spend a couple hours of time on that, on the ads and perfect, perfecting or trying to improve a lead magnet that I've got for that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard to say what a typical day is. There hasn't really been one, which I don't know, maybe that's a problem. 
I don't know that it's a problem. I think it's a, a matter of me two months old. Brian, what, what's your favorite thing about running your firm right now? And if you had someone, if, if we could wave a magic wand and you could have someone in your office working 40 hours a week, what would you have that person do? My favorite thing has been setting, agreeing with people on ways that I, that I can help them and that I think that I actually am helping them. So convincing them of, of, my worth, how I can add value in what's usually a difficult time for someone who is thinking about trying to apply for asylum has been really rewarding. And that's probably been my favorite thing is actually sort of working through with someone, how I can help them and then getting them to see that and then getting them to agree to, to hire me to help them. That's been rewarding and fun. Um, if I could have someone working for me, man, I don't know. I, I, you know, Jim, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking, okay, when I'm ready to, you know, hire someone, or even say, if I get a, you know, a virtual assistant in the Philippines or whatever, what would I have them do? And I don't really haven't. I, I, I don't know. It's I haven't identified enough small things that I could keep someone busy, even, you know, part time in the foreseeable, foreseeable future. Definitely not now. But maybe one thing is. I've, I've always, I've wanted to prioritize videos and I made a few videos before I launched. And I, but since I've launched, I've only made like one and I, I want to be making several a week. And so I've been doing all the editing for those and everything involved with the videos, you know, from like getting transcription and, and posting it and, and all everything that goes with it. That's something that I could see. Okay. That's a natural first thing to outsource through Fiverr or Upwork or, or whatever. So Jim, I'm going to defer to you. I mean, I you've you've gone through this, right? You you've blazed this trail. I mean, what are some things that Brian can be doing, knowing knowing what he just said, that you, I mean, could help him out? I mean, you you've done this. You you've gone through. You've automated a bunch of this stuff. You've you've hired a bunch of people. Like, what are your what are your thoughts? So Amani and I are in the middle of season four of Better Call Saul, getting towards the end, you know, and it's making its way towards Breaking Bad and Saul or Jimmy McGill just got his office and I saw him walking through his office the other day and I was laughing. I was like, Oh man, that seems like a long time ago. But I remember walking through the empty office and picturing where each person was going to go and all the furniture was going to go. And, and that's such an exciting time. And, and Brian, I mm -hmm. think that this is a real exciting time for you. And I think that Tyson's calendaring approach is generally good. I mean, I think that you've got to block out time for each of the things that you want to do. Otherwise you're just going to get run over by the, the moments of the day, but I think you got to adopt sort of an 80, 20 rule where, you know, 20% of my day, I'm going to focus on fixing things for the future, building for the future. If that's shooting videos, if it's writing out systems, mm -hmm. if it's working with the VA and then 80%, let the 80% havoc come. Now to me, that, that time of focus, I'm a, I'm a morning person. That time of focus is usually between yeah. seven and nine if I can, you know, you have kids. And so you know how that is, but just generally, I think that blocking out particular amounts of time to do the, the important work is good. And as far as, you know, not finding time to do videos and stuff, I think you got to just call bullshit on that. Oh, can I cuss on here? You got to just make it a priority. And, and it's not too late yeah. for you. To, you can join our, our video channels. We're doing one video every day and that'll just make you do it. Um, I think that just making a list of everything you want to get done and then just doing a little bit of it each day is, is that's, that's what always works for me. Getting clients. Okay. Well, Getting client-wise, I think you're doing all the right things. I'll be interested because I've never run a Facebook ad or Google ad, so I'll be interested to hear about your successes in there, and I hope it goes well. But 
I think that, you know, organic search based on videos and content on your website and long tail search where people are writing in questions, you know, that takes a long time. But I think that you've got to do that. And then the other thing, I think you just got to target particular immigration community, immigrant communities like, okay, and you and I have talked about this, you know, I, I be the lawyer for Nigerian people in Houston. I mean, Houston's a huge market for immigrants, obviously. So I think, and, and your marketing has to be tailored to each of those groups. You, you, you don't want to just say, I'm an immigration lawyer for all immigrants. I think that resonating with people, and you know how it is, when one immigrant likes you, they're going to refer you to 10 others. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, along the lines uh, of what you're saying, niching down has been something that I've, I've been focusing on instead of trying to be all things to all people, even within immigration. And, you know, this was something that you and I discussed, and I've tried to collect people's thoughts on this about how niche down I should go. And uh, I, I did decide to, for branding purposes, kind of the way I hold myself out, that I'm going to try to be the asylum guy. Instead of being an immigration lawyer, I'm saying that I'm an asylum lawyer. And I don't know of anyone else in the country who does that, but I'm, I'm trying to play on to my to my strength in my experience of having been an asylum officer and been with the government for a long time. And so far, I, I think it's working pretty well. I, I do have like a placeholder website up that's kind of for more general, just manning immigration. But my the website that I'm usually directing people to is, is just for asylum law. And, I'm, and I've, I've got business cards for both, one that's just immigration lawyer, one that's asylum. But I am seeing that the asylum thing is taking taking hold much better. Like literally everything that I've worked on except for one matter has been asylum. I'm in my two months in practice and I like it that way because I can, I, I like asylum. I'm passionate about it and I know it well so I can do it efficiently as opposed to, to learning about, you know, other areas of immigration law that I don't know as well. I've got a family. So I only, I only have two real clients that are like fully my own client cases from like the beginning of their immigration matter to the end. And one of them is a family-based green card case, which is considered to be normally absent you know, exigent circumstances, like the easiest kind of immigra- immigration case there is. But it's the one that's causing me the most heartburn to make sure that I'm doing it correctly, as opposed to asylum-related stuff where I can just I can I can get there really uh, efficiently and quickly. I think that goes along with a lot of the things we talk about. I mean, even you know, we talk all the time on here about giving up practice areas that give you headaches, and and I think that. You know, we once had an associate here who worked for us for about a year, and she had come to us from being an ICE attorney in uh, Virginia. And I always said to her, man, if you stick around, the marketing pitch that I'm going to give for you is, you know, ex-DHS attorney, Homeland Security attorney, uh, is now working for the, the good side. And so I think with you, I mean, I would just play up all day long the fact that you were an asylum officer. You worked in that asylum office. You know the people in that asylum office. I mean, I, I'm sure there's probably some outer limits of what you can say about that, but certainly in consults and things, I would be dropping that left and right. Most immigration lawyers did not work as an asylum officer, so I think that's a huge plus in your in your cap. Thanks. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to to play it up. So Brian, there's this point like when you're running your practice, it's really early on, and I I mean I guess I I still have it. I'm sure Jim, Jim probably still has it, but like where you are like super, super excited about the future. You know what I mean? You're like, this is going to be freaking awesome. I can't wait. You're, you, there's a lot of fear in all that too, but talk about your excitement. Mm. Talk about what you're, what you're excited about for the future. I am excited. I'm, I'm excited. You know, my vision 
when I decided to do this was, was that I, my wife and I wanted to be in a position where I had the, the freedom in terms of, you know, being my own boss and not having to ask permission to like take, for example, take big chunks of time for vacation. So freedom of schedule, but also hopefully making enough money to be able to enjoy that and to do some traveling. Cause like my two jobs ago, I was, we were living overseas and it was, you know, we were, tra- we were in Europe and it was super easy to, to, to bounce around and do this great travel. And then we came to Houston and, you know, we've been here two and a half years and we were just kind of like, Ugh, we're living in suburbia with nothing exciting going on in our lives. And that was kind of depressing and took some serious getting used to. We, we do like Houston now as a city, um, but I want to get to where I can afford to, to do a lot of travel with my family because that's something that's important to me. And I'm excited that it, what excites me is this idea that, okay, I can, I can see where this thing that I'm trying to build could, could be viable, especially the last two or three weeks. It's gone well. Like I've gotten some good stuff happening the last couple of weeks and just makes me think that, okay, if I can snowball this, I know there'll be ups and downs, but if the general projection is over time upward, then, then yeah, that is exciting. It could put me in a place where I could build something that I'm proud of and that helps a lot of people and at the same time is making decent money for me and, and supporting a good lifestyle. So, so I have been encouraged, especially the last couple of weeks. We'll see what the future holds. But yeah, it is, it, uh, there, there's, you know, there's, there's, no, there's almost no upper limit as where my old job with the government, you're pretty limited, especially with DHS. Like there's, there's nowhere that exciting that I dreamt of, of going in terms of you know, position or what, what you could achieve there. Um, State Department, where I worked before that, was a little more exciting in that sense, but DHS, not not so much. So it's it's fun to be, you know, doing something where I'm like, oh, I can keep growing in a sense of like literally growing the firm and, you know, trying to grow revenues, trying to grow the number of, of people that my firm is representing. So I, I like that. And that's exciting. Brian, my last question, given that the asylum is federal and that you can practice in all 50 states. What are your thoughts about taking asylum cases outside of Houston? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I've, I've had a couple of consultations with people outside that haven't ended up hiring me, but yeah, I'm open for it and, um, and I'll be happy to do it. I don't want to travel a ton. Um, my wife went back to work recently, you know, when I was leaving my, my decent paying, super stable government job with good benefits. She hadn't, my wife hadn't worked in a long time because when I was a diplomat, we were moving around a lot. She couldn't do what her profession. She does ultrasounds. She's a sonographer. And she couldn't really do that in other countries. And and then we had we had kids, and you know, she stayed at home for a while with them until they were in school. So anyway, she just started working again, and she likes her job a lot. And so I don't want to be traveling a ton because it'd be tough with the kids and my wife working. But but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely up for helping folks out, especially with asylum and, and other other places. All right, Brian, time to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. There's a lot of great activity going on every single day. It's kind of overwhelming at the moment, but it's it's still a lot of great information, um, especially in today's climate. One thing that I do ask that you do, I haven't asked for this in a while, but if you'll take a second and just either pause this episode or um, go and, and, and while you're listening to it, either one, but go and give us a five-star review. We've not asked for a review in a while. If you will take a review, I would really, really appreciate it. It helps spread the love. Jimbo, what is your hack of the week? My hack of the week is for myself. 
and for anyone else who finds it valuable. My hack of the week is that with a lot of us working from home these days, I think it's going to be really important to have a line of demarcation between work and home. It seems to me those last couple of weeks that, that work is bleeding over into home time, and I feel sort of this sense of urgency, and I got to do everything right away. And we still have to take care of ourselves. We still have to have downtime. We still have to have time with our family. So try to the extent that you can to have, you know, a, a regular routine and to sort of keep to it and to say to yourself, I'm done for today when you're done. And, and, I, and I say that more for me than for anybody else. I love it. That's a, that's a really, really, really good tip. And I'll give you a tip in a second. That's similar to that. Brian, what is your tip or hack of the week? I'm going to go with a software tool. Uh, we talked earlier about making videos and doing stuff online with social media. And uh, I'm a big fan of a tool called remove.bg to remove background from photos. So if you want to take a photo of yourself doing something, but then you want to paste just the photo, the, the part that's the picture of you on top of something else, like some background that you want to have for, say, a, a YouTube thumbnail or you know, a Facebook ad or anything on social media or anywhere really, this tool is free and it's it's by far the best that I've found for removing backgrounds. Some of them you have to like go in with your mouse and like touch up and erase like little little lines that it, it doesn't figure out shouldn't be there um, automatically. But this one, every single time, automatically it completely removes the background leaving just the picture of the person. So it's remove, R-E-M-O-V-E dot B-G. So, for instance, if I wanted to use that on the Maximum Lawyer website, I could erase Little Tyson from most of the pictures? <laughs> uh, you may be able to find a way to, to make it work in that fashion. Awesome. Well, I mean, Jim, I mean, my, my new nickname for you, should I use it? I don't know if I will. I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not going to be mean like you. I'm going to be the nice one. And I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to remove myself from this and not, I'm not going to retaliate. You know what? I'm going to be the good one here. Well, my tip. My tip of the week is it relates to gyms, and this is this comes from an adjuster I was talking to the other day, and we were talking about working from home and everything. And I've got this tip whenever I work from home, I will pretend because we have three kids and they're younger, and so they're always wanting to be in the office whenever I'm there. I will leave the front through the front door, and then I'll go around to the back, and I will and they'll think I'm gone. I'll come back in the back of the house. I've got to unlock the back door first. But they think I'm gone, and I will sneak back in the house. So my tip is, so that you're, you're it's a little deceptive. You're in, you're, but but it's important so you can get work done. So if you have kids at home, just pretend like you're leaving like you normally do, but then and get dressed and everything like you normally do. That I think that's also a little bonus tip too is get dressed like you're going to work. I mean that that I think to me that's really important for a mindset is is making sure that you're ready to work and that you're not just lounging around. If you're lounging, if you're wearing your normal lounge gear, you're probably not going to be, be as effective and as efficient and get as much done as you normally do. So get dressed, go to work, sneak around the house and go out to the back. All right, Brian, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate you talking about some things that probably aren't that easy to talk about sometimes. So really appreciate you coming on. And I, I, I learned some stuff from you. My pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Bye, guys. Good job. Right. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.